Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now entering the Second Big Comics Podcast. Starring Mark Clare and Renzo Martini. It's a classic tale, a tale as old as time. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Or in our case, White Nick Fury, Black Nick Fury, Samuel Jackson, David Hasselhoff. We're about to jump into this comic paradox today on another episode of the Second Print Comics Podcast. I am Remso W. Martinez here with the mighty Mr. Mark Clare. Mark, uh, life is treating you pretty good, right? Not too bad. Yeah. Not too bad. I'm, I'm re- recently betrothed very happily. So Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, what else? What else has been going on? Was it a Fantastic Four-themed wedding or not? It, sadly, as has been made clear to me, that was my, that's my only regret. You'll never be forgiven. Fork-themed, yes. But we did have Elvis, so I think that makes up for something. That that does, in many ways. If you're not going to do Fantastic Four, do Elvis. That's always been my rule. So Maybe we'll renew the vows with, with the Fantastic Four, though. I mean, you know, you had one Who job. to be Doctor Doom? <laughs> Administered by Doctor Doom. That would be perfect. It would make no sense, but it would be perfect. Does somebody in like a mankini with wings on their heels like Namor jump in and be like, I object. Uh, that does happen as well as a, a plethora of supervillains, super friends, etc. will show up. Kind of like the Hulk wedding. That's how I picture it, actually. Oh, like God. That wedding. that was a disaster. It's, it ended well. It was a nice issue. But Fisto will show up, try to make a weird offer to my bride, my uh, potential bride to be. Or, yeah, I guess it's, I guess it's potential till the wedding's complete. There you go. There you go. Well, anyway, folks, before we get started, Mark and I have a ton of stuff that we want to go ahead and throw your way. One of which is if you're not on Patreon already, I know we bring this up all the time, but really, we've got bonus content, original bonus content from not just Mark and I together, but from me separately and from Mark separately. So if you secretly hate one of us, you can indulge in the other. We're giving out posters that are signed. We're giving out comics we're giving out a ton of awesome crap so people come on it's as little as five dollars a month and we just hit that magic number 50 for the second print comics fan zone so come on we have more like i i'm genuine when i say this mark and you and i have been podcasting for many years on separate projects but i think the people in the second print comics fan zone are better than everyone else i'll say it and i'll stand by that intellect uh physical appearance interaction enthusiasm all the things but the only way to get into the second print comics fan zone we were nice at first we left it open a little bit uh to try to build up you know build up the group a little bit but now that we have done so now that we have an initial core in there only way to get in is by joining the patreon but a measly five bucks a less than literally like a starbucks coffee or latte you can enjoy all of our bonus content and support your two favorite comic book podcasters or maybe only one of them if you secretly hate one of us as Renzo mentioned but you have that option we all know there's never mark we know we that movement out, is there. We never. We should, we should have the narc <laughs> movement. Uh, never mark. 
We should put out uh, special. He defended those drug dealers that Superman (laughs) burned their homes. Ever since you did that way back in like episode four or something, there's been a strong contingent of people who are very divided over that. Go back and listen to that episode. Don't understand me as well from my other. If you don't know me from my other podcasting life, then you might be surprised by by my rant supporting the drug dealers. But, you know, It's, it's his alter ego. It's not that I support the drug dealers. It's that I don't support Superman destroying their property. That's all. And then threatening them with fiery laser death if they, ha- if they happen to try to sell drugs again just to make ends meet for their poor families and to try to pay for all the stuff that Superman already destroyed in their homes. That's all I'm saying. Mark, you live in Los Angeles, right? I do. You see, you folks? Living. This is why God hates California. <laughs> Because we don't want Superman destroying our drug drug dealing neighborhoods. You've got, you've got fire tornadoes. They're about to destroy your Thanksgiving. It has not been a good year for California. Ah, that stuff never comes near me. All righty. Anyway, we've got one more update that uh, we just went ahead and figured out today. You want to go ahead and bring it up? Oh, no, because we're still pending on it. So I Oh, we're still pending we're, on it. I'll just tell them so maybe they can pressure Patreon. But for some reason, we don't have the permissions just yet. But we're hoping to offer annual uh, Patreon memberships soon. We're waiting on something. So something there, you, so there you go. We will get back to you on that. It's in the works. We're just waiting for for Patreon to move over. But uh, yeah, no, that's about it. And, and speaking of, and I'm glad I kind of jumped straight into the Patreon stuff. I know a lot of you are tired of me just really kind of diving in on that. It keeps the well, lights. If you're on tired folks. of it, just join up, and we'll we can stop hawking it so much. Yeah, but but this episode is actually the result of listener pressure especially from a lot of the folks that we have our Journey into Mystery Zoom calls with. We'll be jumping on one of those after uh, recording this episode. But uh, Mark and I have a schedule of what we're typically going to record, and we've been pretty good about not changing it often. But there's this one area of the, of the, of the listener group that was so loud for so long, I had to go ahead and jump the shark and just kind of throw them this red meat because I think it'll also help uh, clear the road for people going forward. Especially as we start jumping into the multiverse and what if stories and the wild and wacky insane world that is comic book canon. And essentially it, it's it's this. When did Nick Fury become black? <laughs> And I, too, now we've discussed this before. You can go back, and uh, if you're a newer listener, I highly recommend ticking back in the podcast feed and listening to our episode zero. That's when we really discuss uh, the origins of our fanhood, the origins of this program. But uh, as I discussed on there, and I've mentioned in other episodes, I had about maybe, uh, I would say about a decade-ish long, maybe not quite uh, dark period from comics. Uh, Sometime after college, I kind of just let my comics uh, go by the wayside. At one point, I got down to just collecting Savage Dragon, and at some point, I even let that go for a bit, if you can believe it. But I, I have since, of course, uh, reread all of those issues. But uh, yeah, this is something that occurred uh, during my my dark period uh, when I was sort of a, a caveman frozen in ice when it comes to comics. And uh, I remember coming back and just suddenly I was like, oh, Nick Fury is black now and young. How'd that happen? <laughs> and uh, so it was finally good. Well, I don't know. Saying good, it was might be uh, might be not the right choice. But I'm I'm glad I could finally say it. Say it. Old. Rest in power, white Nick Fury. Right. Rest in power. Uh, Yeah, we can also talk about his fate. I think we mentioned it on a different episode, but um, let's just say I I had, of course, like I had to find out what happened. So I Googled it and I've I've read like the two sentence version of the story before. But um, money, it was was money's the reason. Exactly. (laughs) You know, you know, my rule. I'm not going to read it. And if I got to pay for it, unless I'm really, really excited about it. 
Well, I, I was I was saying that in terms of you know what what drives big changes, what drives people to change something completely. If you're not trying to cancel them online, it usually has to do with you know a person losing a lot of money or wanting more money. And uh, what we'll do today is we're going to be talking about how Nick Fury became a black guy. So I I want to go ahead and jump into the main story, uh, Battle Scars. This is the six issue limited series that it, it changed, you know, the comics forever. And, you know, I, I mentioned the, at the beginning that there's kind of a chicken or an egg scenario, because for many people uh, who are really kind of in the weeds of comics, you know that uh, this is something that wasn't just recent and it certainly wasn't prompted by the movies. For a lot of people, especially a lot of new listeners, their first exposure to Nick Fury anywhere was probably in the end credits of the first Iron Man film, where you see uh, Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury standing in Tony Stark's Malibu pad. And, uh, you know, from there, when they tried to go read the comics, they were a bit confused because, you know, you have two different Nick Furies. You have a black Nick Fury and a white Nick Fury, and which one is which? And this is where things get more complicated. So I'm going to try and really distill it down so whether you really know it or you have no clue what's going on, it'll make sense from, like, a at-large perspective. And there's a twist in here that I'm going to need to uh, – this part I still don't understand is uh, I want you to also – Give me some details on Ultimate Universe Nick Fury, who seems to be physical appearance-wise the same Nick Fury as we're going to discuss today. But I'm not yeah, sure. it's uh, it, it gets weird. So let let's just hang on tight, and we'll we'll jump right into it. In the early two thousands, there was an effort by Marvel to try and reobtain the youth audience. At this point, video games are big. MTV was still actually playing music videos. 9-11 didn't happen, and then it did. And uh, for the most part, it seems like comics were just not something people were willing to buy anymore. It became really something for uh, for adults, you know, your 30 and older crowd, because these are the people that were buying comics when there was really only comics. Of course, you had cartoons and movies and stuff, but, you know, video games and stuff that really took a large chunk of the youth attention away. So Marvel had a problem. They had to go ahead and find a way to bring more people in while at the same time maintaining the loyalty and the happiness of longtime readers. So what they did was essentially split the Marvel Universe. You had the 616 Universe, the traditional Marvel canon, which still runs today. This is with all the characters going back to the 40s of Captain America with the Avengers and Spider-Man, Fantastic Four in the 60s. These are the people that you can read them at any point and you're going to know that this is all part of the same ongoing story. But what they did was they started a new line, a youth line for those millennials out there, and it was called the Ultimate Universe. The Ultimate Universe started out with Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, Ultimate X-Men, and the Ultimates. And what these basically did was they put our classic favorite characters in an all-new universe in a 21st century setting, so that way they could actually appeal to the people they were reading. The Fantastic Four were in their uh, early 20s. Spider-Man was once again a teenager. And there happened to be a whole Mary School of Mutants that didn't look like their you know main 616 counterparts, but they looked more like the characters that you saw in the popular X-Men films from 2000 from Fox. So this ultimate line of comics would go on for about uh, 14, 15 years, 
before it petered out because of a whole bunch of stupid editorial decisions. But mainly, and you know, we'll, we'll talk more about the Ultimate Universe in another episode dedicated just to this. But Mark, when I started reading comics, the Ultimate comics were my Marvel. I did not actually start reading main MCU can. I'm sorry, main six one six canon until way later. So for me and a whole generation of comic book readers, the Ultimate Comics were our comics. You were the millennial that they were targeting specifically, specifically, literally, literally. They said we need Ramza Martinez. And they got me, and they've been taking my money weekly ever since. So with that said, the the purpose was to go ahead and really revitalize characters that had been kind of waning. Uh, the X-Men and the and Spider-Man were more popular than ever before because of their recent movies that were coming out. Fantastic Four had a bit of a lapse during that time, so making them younger, putting them in the 21st century, uh, gave them a whole new flair that, I mean, I, I genuinely believe a lot of my favorite Fantastic Four stories are still probably Ultimate X-Men stories. And then uh, you know, a few years later... Your favorite Fantastic Four stories or Ultimate X-Men stories? Or you I'm sorry, or... or, or, or are not to sound like a seal they are ultimate fantastic four stories there there it is so uh it would be funnier if they're your favorite fantastic four stories all took place in ultimate x-men it's a it's a whole other world folks whole other show hey one of my favorite superman moments took place in saga the swamp thing go listen to the last episode it happens it happens uh, so anyway, in around 2004, 2005, there was a big effort to go ahead and try and revitalize one of Marvel's flagship titles that today you, you hear them and you think, oh, they must have always been making money. But uh, over the last you know, 10, 15 years prior, they had been struggling a lot. It was the Avengers. Believe it or not, there was a day and age where um, nobody thought – that they could ever take Thor seriously. They saw that Captain America is kind of stupid and Iron Man was on no one's list of heroes they wanted to be. The Avengers was just not doing well. They had a great run in the 60s and 70s. They had a strong rush in the 80s and then around the 90s. They they were just kind of bland. So um, Marvel gave... Uh, their ultimate version of the Avengers to a young Scottish writer named Mark Miller or Mark Millar, however you want to pronounce it. And they basically Millar said myself, but I don't know. Yeah, I, it's yeah. Millar. I'll say it. Millar. So they, they basically gave it to him and said, listen, you, you've got these characters, but nobody's into the Avengers. You've got this whole universe. You're doing well on a, on a few of these other ultimate comics here with Bendis and the others. You got to try and make them cool. And essentially, this is where the Avengers entered the Ultimate Universe and became the Ultimates. And if you go back and read uh, the Ultimates Volume 1 and Volume 2, you will go ahead and basically see the blueprint for the 2012 Avengers movie. It is so crazy that I'm reading this comic uh, in the mid-2000s. I'm thinking this is going to become a movie one day. And then flash forward to 2012, I'm sitting in theaters uh, with hundreds of other people crammed in the auditorium, and we're watching these scenes basically taken panel for panel on the on the big screen. It was amazing. So with that, they you know they basically realized what we're crafting here isn't just a regular comic book. 
What we're crafting here is something that could potentially be made into a film because around this time, the Fantastic Four movies were coming out. They needed source material and they needed inspiration so that way they could realistically translate. With that said, Marvel took some liberties of some of their characters, one of which was Nick Fury. In the Ultimate Universe, to solidify that this was genuinely a different universe, they went ahead and changed the race of Nick Fury. In mainstream Marvel canon, Nick Fury is white. But in the Ultimates, he was black. You could do that because it's a separate universe. But they didn't just happen to change his race. Mark Millar went ahead and basically said, if I, if I could cast my dream Avengers team, who would be Nick Fury? And who did it end up becoming? Ended up becoming Samuel L. Jackson. So much so that there is a scene in Volume 2 of The Ultimates where the Ultimates are um, hanging around in, in a living room and they're like, hey, I hear somebody's going to make a movie about us. Uh, who would you want to be you? And Nick Fury literally says, Samuel L. Jackson, who else? And it's just one of those meta moments where I read this and I'm like, God, this would just be so cool if they actually did it. So that Nick Fury was intentionally meant to look like Samuel Jackson, though, even in its first incarnation. Literally. And here's the funny part. You cannot take a character. You cannot take the likeness of a real human being and put them into a comic, uh, whether you pull out some legal jujitsu or not. If it looks like that person, you're going to get in trouble. So Millar. Uh, so that's, how, that's how Alan Moore got away with uh, Richard Nixon because he was dead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Millar basically it worked out. He wasn't out. dead. He wasn't dead when Watchmen came out. I was wrong. He's dead now. He, was, he, <laughs> he was, wasn't dead when, then. When, did, when did Richard Nixon die? He died in like the 90s. Oh, yeah, no, so one, I, no, no was, one cared about Nixon. That was fake news that I told you. Maybe just no one cared. No one cares about Nixon, Mark. Back to maybe, topic. Maybe no one's going to listen to Richard Nixon's like lawsuit about uh, like de- defamation of his character in, in a comic book after, uh, after everything he's been through. So I'm just glad they're still talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but anyway, you want to talk about Richard Nixon, do you? See, now my Alan Moore has got gone totally Australian and I can't get him back to even partially. It's like it's like Russell. It's like Russell Crowe. If Russell Crowe was playing Alan Moore in an Alan Moore movie. Come watch. Come watch me, Richard Nixon in me comic book. (laughs) It's gone too far. Anyway, not tuning in for the impressions. I hope I I greatly hope. Millar. Works out a deal between Marvel and Samuel Jackson, and Samuel Jackson is so into this, there was really no 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 lawyers involved. Basically, Samuel Jackson told Marvel, if you ever end up making a movie with Nick Fury, that Nick Fury, it needs to be me. And flash forward to 2008's Iron Man, we see Nick Fury, and it's literally Samuel Jackson. So that is how... It started. It started in the comics, in a separate line of comics in the, in another universe, and because of a potential legal fiasco for intellectual property and likeness and all that stuff, it ended up giving us Samuel Jackson as the MCU Nick Fury. That is quite a tale, and uh, I guess I'm curious when you first saw Iron Man. Like I didn't see it right away in the theaters. Um, I don't think I saw it until maybe a year or two later. But was it a surprise that when Nick Fury, when Sam Jackson appeared at the end as Nick Fury, or was that something that had gotten around the interwebs by then? So, so this is funny 
They, no, no movie had ever really done like after credit reels. The only stuff I could really think of was like the first uh, Men in Black movie. And I know there are a couple others, but it just wasn't a thing you ever expected. So when I went to go see it on opening day uh, back in Texas where I was living, um, I just went home after Robert Downey Jr. said, I am Iron Man. The credits started rolling. Uh, it wasn't until like a week later that a clip started going online of somebody holding up their Motorola Razor. That tells you how old this is. And they tried filming the scene. And you basically see the scene, but it was grainy. It was shitty. You know, old phones, pre, pre-iPhone. The iPhone was just coming out at that time. So uh, it, it starts going around that, hey, if you stay at the end of the Iron Man movie, there's this clip. And it's got Samuel L. Jackson. And he wasn't cast in... Uh, he, he was not included in the credits of the film. You would have never known unless you stayed after. So I went again the following week. I stayed after the credits with almost the entire rest of the theater. And we saw that scene where um, Tony Stark walks back into his house and uh, Samuel Jackson is there. And he turns around. And he's like, you think you're the only hero? You're part of a broader universe, Tony Stark. And then Robert Downey Jr. is like, dude, who the hell are you? And he's like, Nick Fury, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers initiative. And I mean, the rest is history. And like right now, I, I could still feel it. Like the, the hairs on my arms go up because the shivers, the chills. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just one of those moments where it's like, one, if you told me there would ever be a good Iron Man movie, I would have laughed at you. Two, if you said they would ever actually cast not only a black Nick Fury, but have Samuel L. Jackson be Nick Fury like he was meant to be in the comics for the Ultimates. Um, I, I would have I would have just said you're you're bullshitting. And I mean it's it's amazing now. We have become so spoiled with movies and games and everything else now. They're so interconnected and they, they play around with the source material. But I look back at that time and I just think, wow, that was one of the most perfect moments I ever remember on screen. Yeah, I mean for me, I, I even watching that movie now, I, I get that feeling in that scene, even having seen all the movies, even knowing everything that's gonna happen. Uh but I, I mean Samuel Jackson really is even if I even aside from you know the fact that it came about through the comic book and everything if I mean, I don't care if you have a black Nick Fury in a movie, even though he's white in the comics. Like, I, all I care about is who the role, who how who is portraying the role in in the right way. And I think that for maybe he's not a traditional classic Nick Fury per se, but I, I do think that Nick Fury's role and as played by Samuel Jackson in the MCU is perfect for the the vibe of those films. It might be not be perfect for everybody who's you know read Nick Fury stories for fifty years, but uh, I think he's absolutely perfect for what they're doing with those movies and perfect for the character yeah and i mean as much as uh you know people want to go back to the original source material from like the stanley steve ditko jack kirby era of marvel um really the mcu is built on the groundwork laid by two major phases of marvel uh one would be the heroes reborn universe this would give us a more interconnected captain america with shield it would introduce the triskelion it would introduce the idea of the avengers being a project of shield and then um, about four years later, you would have the Ultimates, which was really meant to capture a wave of fans who saw Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man and Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. You know, they're they're in the modern era. They're not in the 60s anymore. Um, it looks like the world outside your window. So, I mean, the Ultimate comic line really, especially in the in the first phase of Marvel, really 
is the back work for the MCU. And then as the the films went onward and the universe started expanding and things started getting more interconnected, you started to see them bring in more elements from the Marvel lore at large. Uh, those Ultimate comics don't get enough credit as they do. I mean, uh, Ultimate Thor is completely different from mainstream Thor. And Ultimate Thor is really the Thor you see in the MCU. So we'll have to have an entire episode dedicated to this. But, uh, you know, in terms of just Nick Fury, it you know, that one detail by Mark Millar changed not only Hollywood, but it also had some adverse effects, as some may see, in the actual comic book medium. I don't think it's unfair to say that, at least in my opinion, so this is a Remso opinion, Mark might disagree with me, I feel that uh, in the past seven to eight years specifically, the publishing arm of Marvel Comics has become nothing but a merchandising tool for the films. It used to be that the comics were prioritized as being the groundwork for films and games and TV, but now they're just basically, you know, it's just meant to be a cash grab for the, the only thing that now. confounds me about that theory and you, you gotta know what i'm gonna bring up here is it's jonathan hickman's x-men because i don't <laughs> i don't know how that's supposed to be a cash grab for for anything to be honest or how it's supposed to set up x-men as heroes in new films i don't know i've actually heard a number of people that actually are digging what he's doing including all two of them program all two of them and they're both fans of our show um and i won't argue with you because every fan has the right to their opinion and we appreciate all opinions on this show but some opinions are stupider than others. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one opinion that I don't understand. I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I'm not one to talk because I will badmouth it. And yet every time I peek into that Marvel app and see a new Hickman X-Men, I go, ah, oh, let me just, let me just see what he's doing here. But I'm never, I'm never satisfied. It's more just like, I need, I just need to know. I need to know what you're doing, but I am confused about, I, I agree in theory. That does seem to be the way that Marvel's publishing branch has generally gone. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that they brought back the Fantastic Four in a regular series literally at the same time they got the rights back to the Fantastic Four. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence, even though I don't understand the storytelling of why they did a whole new, brand new uh, X-Men relaunch uh, right when they got the right the movie rights to the X-Men back. So this stuff is obviously very related. Uh, I have not read too much Marvel over the last few years other than a few select writers here and there. Uh, Jason Aaron's Thor it was amazing. Uh, a lot of, I love a lot of the work that Donny Cates has been doing, both on Thor and on Venom, um, but it's few and far between. It's very select. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, as far as Sickman is concerned, it's like hooking up with an ex. You know it's wrong, but you want it sometimes. <laughs> and would, uh, But this isn't, I mean, the analogy is almost apt, but it, it would be like hooking up with an ex if the sex was not bad, just weird. <laughs> that's the best way to describe it. I can't it. say it's terrible writing. Like, he's a good technically sound writer, but it's not great i wouldn't be like wow you got to read this amazing writing from jonathan hickman so it's hard to compare it to sex really but if you're going to compare it to sex i guess you'd have to call it weird sex weird sex with jonathan hickman's x-men that'll, that'll be the title of this episode now screw nick fury <laughs> a- a- anyway and, go and, and, and something about nick fury <laughs> oh man um Anyway, oh that that. <laughs> anyway, so don't um, don't wait too long to move on, or I'll t- I'll find a way to tie Tom King and type Kite Man into this. So so how um how did the mainstream Marvel universe Nick Fury essentially replace the white Nick Fury we grew up with? Uh, that is what a lot of people have been very curious about because the only word I have to describe it is sloppy. 
Mark, as you started getting into it, what were some of the thoughts going into your head? Because you grew up reading White Nick Fury, and then suddenly he looks like Samuel L. Jackson, which isn't bad inherently. It's just confusing as hell. It is very confusing. When I first started reading Marvel Comics and and coming back into things uh, maybe five or six years ago, I was just kind of confused because there was actually two Nick Furies because I I read Original Sin uh, and I was like, okay, here's this Nick Fury. But then there was another Nick Fury and he was Samuel Jackson Nick Fury. And I was very confused. And I, of course, like had to Google this and saw, you know, I read I read basically the two sentence summary of the story we're going to read. And I was just like, huh, that feels contrived. Um, but, um, well, I guess as we'll see, um, well, I don't want to spoil this, this story until we get into it, but uh, let's just say I was actually excited for you to bring this up. Uh, it was like a last minute addition to our schedule and I was excited for it. Cause I didn't even know where this story took place. I didn't know it had its own miniseries just to explain Nick Fury becoming a black Nick Fury, not just becoming black, but becoming Samuel Jackson, essentially, uh, within the, the, you know, within six, the pages of six comic books. Uh, but I was excited to find out how they did it for good or for bad, much like Hickman's X-Men. I don't care how, you know, it's not about if it's good or bad. It's about, I just got to know what's going on here. So now I know. <laughs> and this is where things are about to get complicated. So turn off the TV, put the kids outside, tell your wife to go grocery shopping. Cause if the kids put- aren't outside by now, then I, I don't know what kind of parenting you're doing at this point. This, this is for the fellas because it's about to get weird. Um, here's how this happens. The story we're about to talk about is a six issue limited series called Battle Scars. If you're new, you're probably wondering, why didn't I ever hear about it? It's because Marvel doesn't really want you to know about it. If you've been reading for a while and you're like, why didn't I hear about it? It's also because Marvel really didn't want you to hear about it. <laughs> so here's what's happening. This, this series starts in 2011. Prior to that, the MCU is already turning into something awesome. We've already had Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. They take elements from the Ultimate Comic line, which had just recently uh, ended in um, Jeff Loeb's Ultimatum, where they basically tried to kill off the universe. And while they're doing that, uh, you've got mainstream canon 616 Marvel writers looking at the Ultimate Comics saying, maybe we should take that and this and all this other stuff and basically put it in our universe. So basically, everyone is picking away at the Ultimate Comics, the carcass that Jeff Loeb left over as he tried to destroy the universe. So one of the big things that they wanted to do, because you've got a ton of new readers coming in because of the movies, was they wanted to make it more familiar. So Marvel at the time, I think uh, Joe Casado was still around as the editor-in-chief, he um he basically is like him or the other uh, members of the editorial pool. They were like, we've got to find a way to make Nick Fury black. No matter how we do it, we've got to do it. I don't care how you get there. Just make it happen, writers. And uh, it was it was such an awkward decision for them that they ended up not only making this awkward story in the main universe, but they also tried to screw it up in the ultimate universe because even after ultimatum, which was an event meant to end the ultimate comics, they still had some straggler series that turned out. And one of those series called ultimate enemy, they basically said that Nick Fury is on the run for committing some type of crime. And what they basically do is they take black Nick Fury and they put him in the costume of a white guy that looks like white Nick Fury, but he still has an eye patch and he still calls himself Nick Fury. So now everyone's looking at the Ultimate Comics and they're like, dude, this is stupid. And then they go ahead and end that series. Wait, and he wears a costume? He basically like white th- think, think, of, think of Samuel Jackson wearing the skin of David Hasselhoff. Like Mission Impossible style. 
Yes. Wow. But with an eye patch, and he still calls himself Nick Fury. <laughs> and an eye patch under the eye patch when he pulls up the skin, there's a new eye patch. <laughs> it, I think it was like that. It was really freaking stupid. And it was he was like, Yeah, this is my disguise. And they they make fun of him. They're like, What are you doing? Because there was a there was a rumor, and I don't know if it has any feet to it, but this is the rumor that I heard that they were going to find a way to switch it to keep people happy because they were afraid of getting rid of white Nick Fury completely so what they were going to do was they were go- they were going to find a way to make the main nick fury black and the ult- and the ultimate nick fury the nick fury that caused all these problems they were going to make him white they were going to try to swap him they were going to they were going to put fury swap they were going to put white they were going to put black nick fury in white face that was basically it. you took a sip right as i said that choked <laughs> on liquids from that one so it's just it's just sloppy. So they're ruining the, the the golden goose they have with Ultimate Sam Jackson Nick Fury, and at the same time they're bumbling what they're doing with regular Nick Fury. So here's where we're gonna get into the story. And folks, this is kind of brief because it's just not done well. But uh, this six issue, alert. yeah, this six this six issue limited series comes after a Marvel event called Fear itself. I'm never gonna talk about Fear itself because Fear itself was freaking stupid. And this is around the time I stopped reading Marvel comics. But this was written by Alejandro Arbona. Uh, the penciler was Carlo uh, uh, Pagillon. And it's just... Now, I don't want to insult either of these men at all. I'm sure they're hardworking, uh, good human beings who are probably great comic fans who, I, God bless them for getting a career in comics. Uh, but let me just say, I think there's a reason I hadn't heard of either of them before this. I don't think they went on to do anything else after this. I wish well, though. Yeah, so Battles, Battle Scars was shoved into this event because there were so many crossover titles. They knew that this was the only way to drown it out. So, you know, Battle Scars basically talks about a guy named Marcus Johnson. Marcus is... I, I hated it already when we started. <laughs> I just hated that name. I don't know why. I just hated the name. I just, this, is, this is the most like generic like name we're going to give a black guy name. I just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. overthinking it, but I was I was upset from the very beginning of the reveal of his, his real slash not real name. Yeah. So Marcus Johnson is a army ranger. Uh, the beginning of the book takes place in they, they do they say, oh, it's in Bagram. it's in Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah Bagram Airfield, Afghanistan. Ironically, my dad was stationed there uh, in 2000, uh, 2000. 11 he was there so around the time i was reading this my, my father you know anyone named marcus johnson marcus johnson <laughs> i don't think he would have even wanted to read this one so marcus johnson uh you know he, him and his uh his other guy one of the guys in his platoon named cheese they're under fire from the taliban or al-qaeda and they're basically defending the base and they basically take down the bad guys who you never really see and um, at this point, you know, they're they're attacked and they're just getting attacked on and on and on. And they are basically the last survivors of their unit. So after 72 hours of fighting, which they barely show you, what you see is Marcus Johnson and this guy named Cheese are some of the few remaining survivors. So as if things aren't bad with most of their friends dead, 25 U.S. soldiers and 48 and, and 48 wounded, some dude comes over to Marcus and he's like, Sergeant John. Johnson, I've got a message for you. It's about your mom. And Johnson's like, what? And the guy's like, she's dead. 
<laughs> and it's just, it's just, it, it's, it's this fast. Just buried his like twenty fifth buddy. Here. They're they're not even in the ground. You see, you see all these soldiers just strewn across the airstrip, just with you know. I mean, it's it's bad. And then this guy comes out. He's like, by the way, I found a way to get your mail for you. It's about your mom. You want to know what it's about? Your mom is dead. So we just see that, and it's like, uh, what do we know about this character? He's a badass with a friend who's named after food, and his mom is dead. So uh, four it's days, a bad day. It's it's bad, and I mean, I, I got I don't want to criticize. I I I'm really lenient on art because I am not an artist. But yeah, this, is this guy's this guy's face panel to panel. It, it's weird for me to say, you know, it doesn't, he doesn't have really, eyes, Remzo. He doesn't really have eyes, and he he doesn't. There's like, holes where eyes go, but. It's just it's just weird. His face, like in any scene, whether he's fighting or he's just sitting, it's like his face is just the same. It's like he has no range of motion. So four days later, um, he's at Atlanta, Georgia, at the at the funeral for his mother. And off in the distance, like all funerals, you see some guy standing under a tree and he's next to a woman. And it happens to be Steve Rogers, Captain America and Agent 13, Sharon Carter. And uh, you're probably wondering, how do they know Sergeant Johnson? They don't really. They know a little bit about him, but we're about to figure it out. And um, Captain Rogers is now just kind of strange as he's there. He's like, who else knows about him? Agent 13 is like, just us. We need to go ahead and bring him in. So just off the front, they're just painting it really thick. Oh, somehow this guy is special. And um, what ends up happening is... Uh, Marcus goes home to his mom's house, and what he notices is that uh, somebody's been moving around her stuff. And not only were they moving around their stuff, but he's found, like, bullet casings. And he's like, my mom was a teacher. My mom had no enemies. Why does the house look like it's been jacked up, and why is there a random— Maybe she was a bitch. (laughs) Maybe she got down into some weird stuff. We don't know. Maybe she was a bad teacher. Maybe she was selling drugs on the side, which, of course, there's nothing wrong with that as long as Superman is not destroying your house. You know, know, any of those outcomes, Mark, are more interesting than what's about to happen. Literally would be much more interesting if she turned out to be a drug dealer. Yeah. So Marcus comes out and he's like, officer, who's in charge of the investigation here? What's going on? I need to know what's going on with my mom. And before the guy can even say anything, um, I mean, at this point, we were told in some of the captions that she may have potentially been murdered. They don't really explain it. They kind of lay it on thick. They're like, well, it was a homicide or not. And as soon as he's I mean, about the to... the bullets should be... The, the bullet casing should be a, an indication. Yeah, but there, but there's no lead up and they kind of put it there and it's just... It, it feels like, oh, I, I, did I miss something? And you go back and it's like, I, I, I don't really think I did. But as soon as he comes out and he's asking the cop, like, dude, what, what's going on? Uh, there's, a, there's a taller building off in the distance and somebody starts shooting at him and the cop. And Marcus saves the cop. He, he jumps over him and gets him behind the car. Somebody's shooting. And next thing you know, a whole bunch of these giant super thugs come out because it's not a Marvel comic without giant super thugs. And obviously, you know, this giant ra- super thugs need their own spinoff series, I think. G- giant super Which thugs would probably would, be better than this. Way better than this. So what happens is giant super thugs come out and they start fighting Marcus, who somehow is not only a badass army ranger but he knows how to fight so he starts uh you know fighting these giant super thugs but then they you know they start dogpiling him and eventually uh he gets shot in the back with an arrow and you're like huh 
what just happened here? Who are these giant super thugs working with? And who just brought in Katniss Everdeen? Well, <laughs> he, uh, Marcus turns around, still not phased, except they open his mouth like, oh, man, what's going on? And he turns around and he sees Taskmaster. And I will say that this is actually a pretty good uh, full page splash of the Taskmaster. And I was going to say this, too. As we had you know, knocked the art a little bit a minute ago, but uh, this was a pretty cool reveal here of, of the, the splash, ma- the it, splash it, master. Splash master. Uh, Taskmaster. Oh, man. That's oh. a new villain. For Splash a Master. Mapataglia to design. I, I love how I just, we just always call out Mapataglia to do tasks for us and create characters that will... Matt, you can draw it. <laughs> Look, Matt, if you're listening, we want the Splash Master. Just make him. That's your whole... That's all the instructions. And in, terms, and in terms of what I was saying about, like, range of motion for the facial expressions of these characters, you can't screw up Taskmaster. He's just a guy in a skull mask. It, the mouth doesn't even move. So... Uh, oh, that's a mask? That makes it way less cool. You didn't know that? Nah, I don't know. It's it's a mask. So anyway, Marcus turns around with the only thing that's not like a smirk or an angry face. And he's like, what? And you see Taskmaster there. And he's like, some nice moves you got there. Now let me show you mine. And uh, then we go to the next page and it just says somewhere. And, you know, we're in an undisclosed, creepy secret lab with a guy strapped up to an oxygen tank. And he kind of looks like a Nazi. And they're basically talking about how they're going to go ahead and uh, capture Johnson. What do we know about Johnson? Not much. But they want to make sure they could bring him in because there's something interesting about his blood. And that's about it. They just kind of show Taskmaster and Marcus fighting. And it's kind of unfair because Taskmaster is supposed to be one of the deadliest people in the Marvel Universe. He can mimic the fighting style and combat abilities of any hero. And he's beating Johnson, but it looks like he's got too much of an edge on him. And it's just, you know, it's not a terrible fight, but you've got this guy. I mean, yeah, he's an army ranger. He's a badass. But, you know, he's not going to go toe-to-toe with the most dangerous hand-to-hand combat guy in the Marvel Universe. But luckily, he doesn't have to, because just before he's down and Taskmaster is about to seemingly cut off his head with a giant sword, he gets hit by a shield. Whose shield? Captain America. Who else's shield could it be? What if it was just, like, U.S. agent? We're like, oh, oh. Oh, they're really bringing in everybody. (laughs) Um, you go to the next page after Taskmaster's been hit by a shield, and who do you see? You see Captain America with a whole bunch of shield agents behind him and flying cars. I, I will say I always like it when they bring in the flying cars. I feel like we don't have enough flying cars and shield agents anymore. I agree. More flying cars, the better. Why not? Yeah. And uh, Captain America's standing there as the shield returns, and he's like, Taskmaster, step away from Sergeant johnson right now and surrender and johnson is there still with part of an arrow in his arm and he's like what the hell is happening and we're asking yeah not because this is cool but because this feels super forced and awkward <laughs> so that's that's issue one super forced and awkward that's actually the subtitle of the series that and weird jonathan hickman sex <laughs> yeah oh boy so Jonathan Hickman sex. I hope that phrase never gets repeated anywhere except for the title of the show. It's going to bother me as I sleep. <laughs> so uh, issue two picks up literally right at the end of issue one. We see Taskmaster there and he starts fighting Captain America and Johnson is just standing up awkwardly with an arrow still in his arm. And he's uh, he's just kind of there and Taskmaster fights him and 
you know, at one point he gets an edge on Captain America. It's just like I don't like the panel work. Like I, I'm on I'm, I'm on the third page and he's just hit Captain America. Do you have this page up? Yeah, I actually look at the exact same page right now. I, I like it when characters move out and they're not constricted to boxes, but I, I don't like the flow. Because it, you can't tell at what point in the fight you're looking at until you get to the exactly, last yeah. corner. That's this layout can work when done right, but it's this is not one of those times. I don't. Yeah, it's like you don't know where to, which panel I'm supposed to go next. Did he get hit here and now he's reacting here? Is he reacting here? They, like, yeah, it's not. It's not the greatest storytelling device. Yeah, so it's just it's just not great. Um, at that point, you see um, Taskmaster. He. He tosses Captain America away. He's pull out some size, you know, little sticky sword things that like Electra has. I don't. He. My my thing is this. Okay, I'm gonna stop right here uh, and just kind of focus on this. Taskmaster has so many cool weapons at his disposal. He has his giant sword. He threw out ninja stars a minute ago. Now he pulls out size. And it's like all this shit, by the way. He's like Mary Poppins. <laughs> He just kind of pulls it out everywhere. And I know it's a comic and you shouldn't really think about it, but it's like, one, have something that makes a little bit of sense. And two, why would you give him boring weapons? I mean, he's like, who's who's the Ninja Turtle with size? Raphael? Donatello? Oh, with the size? Yeah, I think yeah. that's Donatello. No, it's Raphael. It's Raphael. Raphael, yeah. No, like, it's Raphael. just... Yeah. It's just it's weird. So as uh, Taskmaster is about to kill Marcus, he gets uh, shot by a form of energy or something. And I don't, I don't like how this is done. And you basically see a chick coming out of a flying car and it's 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 Daisy Johnson. It's Quake. And um, her in episode two of this podcast, Instagram War. When she was a badass, when she was a badass, whereas this one just kind of. She's on the cover and she's in the scene, but they downplay her. And long story short, uh, this fight's going to go on for a while. So she saves she Marcus. No, am I right? Is she somehow like the head of S.H.I.E.L.D. here or something like that? She, she's, she's, like, she's like the number two at this point. Okay. Because technically speaking, it's Maria Hill and Captain America. They both kind of are. But Marvel doesn't really ever just tell you who's really in charge at this point because of a whole bunch of reasons. Just know this. Nick Fury's not in charge. And Nick Fury's been a criminal for some time now because of what happened in Secret War. A few episodes back, you can learn what happened to uh, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. Is so that ba- actually why that he actually yeah. used that as the continuity for why he's considered a criminal? Yes. Um, oh, I like that. At least it, that story it actually had ramifications. That that story stays, and uh, yeah, th- everything that comes after just makes that story look like uh, we set this up, and you all just ruined it. So basically, um, Quake saves Marcus, and Captain America's like, "I'll handle this." And I think it's kind of stupid because she's the most dangerous superhuman there, and she could literally like open up the ground and swallow Taskmaster, and she's gonna leave him with a guy who fights just like him and also uses a shield because Taskmaster somehow also brought his shield with him. So that that's just kind of dumb. Have a big backpack somewhere that I can't see because he has so many little weapons, and not even little weapons like a shield. Like I don't know where he's keeping this stuff. Yeah, there's cape somewhere, I guess. So we, we go back uh, to a location that's unknown, and we see this angry Nazi midget guy and some other you know faceless goon comes out, and he's like, by the way, Taskmaster f- uh, failed. Now the target is in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. And somehow this, this dude that looks like he's about to die ends up like choking this dude, shoving him against a window and breaking glass. You're like, how is this guy so feeble but also so strong? It's just – 
it just looks like something out of Austin Powers. It's just not cool. So anyway, that's that's that. What what are your thoughts before we get on to the next part? Because it doesn't get better. Oh man, how how often do I have to give you thoughts on this one? Because it's <laughs> my thoughts aren't evolving that much. Uh, Neither I'm, is the story. <laughs> <laughs> much like my thoughts, the story's not evolving much. Uh, at this point, I'm just kind of thinking like. Can you just tell me how he gets happy, how he's Nick Fury? Like, because I know where this is going. I know why I'm reading this. I guess only because you told me why I'm reading this. I'm not sure. Do people know what the point of the story was before they picked it up, or was it just this? I don't think the writers really did. Either. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody did. Yeah, I'm just I, I'm not impressed. I'm just waiting. For, I'm waiting to see what the point of all this is. I guess is, is what I'm waiting for. Oh well, we we do answer one of your. One of your questions, who is the agent of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm sorry, who's the director of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Apparently now it's Daisy Johnson. And it's really weird yeah, because – right. And I get confused because she almost looks like Somebody, Maria Hill. I guess I paid more attention to this than you did, Ramza. Well, understand this, and, and, I, and I'm not saying this just as a random excuse, but this was just something that I still don't understand. Between 2011 and 2017, S.H.I.E.L.D. came back, but it wasn't anywhere near like S.H.I.E.L.D. before because S.H.I.E.L.D. had been disbanded, replaced by – a agency called hammer and then steve rogers comes back from the dead and nick fury's still a criminal and no one knows what's going on so for like four years you had captain america daisy johnson and maria hill all switching out roles of director and depending on the story this new nick fury too just to add to the mix who's about to become director because he obviously you know if your name is nick fury or you're you're talking about nepotism jeez we we haven't even explained that yet. That's just exp- oh, yeah. I guess we yeah, haven't there yet. yeah. We haven't gotten there yet. So anyway, yeah. I I guess I forgot this. Daisy Johnson is agent of Shield for like a is director of Shield for like a week. So they take him to a helicarrier, and you basically see all the typical you know big computers, big giant eagle emblem, Dum Dum Dugan. And, um, you know, you see him getting patched up and then Captain America comes in and he's like, hey, I just wanted to make sure you're doing all right. And um, Marcus is like, Captain, I need to know what's going on. And Captain America's like, "Nah, man, you've been through an awful lot this past week. No need to make it worse. Uh, And by the way, that's not a cryptic way to comfort someone. Yeah. And and, I mean, telling you what's going on will make your day worse anyway. Bye. What? Yeah, what? It, it's just it, it's just weird. And he's like, I'm not going to tell you anything. I just want to make sure you're OK because we're friends. Um, I, I want to believe that Captain America is like everyone's friend, low key. But he's just it, here. It just feels weird because, you know, he's been like watching him from the distance. And it's just very not Captain America like. So Marcus is like, Captain, what's happening here? Who is that man in the mask? As if he doesn't watch the news in the Marvel Universe, please. Yeah, that's what bothered me, too. Like, who is this guy? Like, you know, who, like, you live in this universe. This, this stuff is on the news. You know who the superheroes are and the villains, you would think. I, I feel like they would at least have their version of, like, E! News, but Hero Edition, like... He was almost acting like yeah. he'd never heard of, like, like, he didn't live in the Marvel Universe. It was almost like, oh, wow, oh, what are these superpowered things? What's happening? Yeah, so he, he's like, I, I need to know what's going on. I guess my mother's dead. My mother died because of me. I need to know what's going on. And then Captain America basically gives him a rundown of who Taskmaster is. And he's like, I got to go. Bye. And he and he walks away and says, stay safe. And he's basically given him no answers, except the only answer he gave about explaining who Taskmaster is is probably something Marcus could have just Googled. But whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, so so what happens next is really stupid. Basically, he's going to be held in a brig for his own safety, which I feel like you're telling me they don't have just a regular room at S.H.I.E.L.D. They have to stick him in something that looks like uh, that, that looks like, you know, a prison. And they, they lock him solitary confinement here in this this crappy bunker. Yeah. And it's just really stupid because at this point he's like, ah, fine, I guess. I guess I got to find out my own answer. So as he's taken to the cell, he finds a way to uh, to break out and he starts beating all of the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. He couldn't take on all the big muscle dudes earlier, all the big goons, but somehow he's able to take down like five S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. It was the really easiest escape ever. He's just like, hey, guys, I need some food. And they just open the door like, oh, yeah. And he just punches them in the face. Well, well here's end, what's, end of escape. Well, here's what's really weird. I, I went back a page when they stick him in the brig and you're in a S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. It's supposed to be like an aircraft carrier. Why is he in a room with bricks? That's a great question. It just see- they're not real bricks. Why would you put painted like bricks? Why would you paint it like bricks? I have no idea. (laughs) That's going to bother me. So anyway, he escapes. He somehow, you know, he got shot in the arm back with a arrow. He's just it's just kind of stupid. He's either super strong or super weak. But he's able to. I will say, well, we'll get to it. I I was thinking the same things, how much that annoyed me. They do kind of explain it sort of later on in this in the the series. Yeah. So he escapes. It's not a very satisfactory explanation, but it's something. I, I hate I hate having to describe this comic. I do this for you, folks. I do this for you. So anyway, he escapes on one of the flying cars. He's shooting at shield agents, and he escapes. And he's basically, um, you know, trying to find his friend Cheese. And as he's trying to meet up with him, a bunch of shield agents basically figure out that he was communicating with him. They try and grab him, and next thing you know, Marcus and Cheese end up fighting. All these S.H.I.E.L.D. agents are eventually escaping. And somewhere, just watching in the distance, because why the hell not, you see um, just some dude standing in like this weird costume out of the 90s, just stoically watching as Marcus and Cheese are eventually running away from the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. like a Moon Knight, like Purple Moon Knight. It's supposed to be like Zodiac, who's or oh no, Scorpio, Scorpio, Scorpio is sometimes Hydra, sometimes his own thing. It's it's not him, but it looks like him. So you're kind of wondering what's going on. This makes sense later. For those of you that don't know, Scorpio is um, the brother of Nick Fury, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury. So at this point, we think, oh, Scorpio's involved. That must mean Hydra's somehow involved. That would ex- know this. that would explain the the weird old Nazi earlier because nazis in the marvel universe are usually hydra so uh uh, nick fear i'm sorry marcus gets back to some hotel because obviously when you're on the run you stay you know a few hours away in a motel he meets up with one of his guys from his ranger unit who you saw in issue one and earlier get get into a fight uh you see cheese and that's all cheese that's all you need to know he's he's his sidekick and his name is cheese and uh, they're they're I having. Can't a com- wait. I can't wait. I, I'm not even gonna say it. What happens? I'm not. I'm not gonna say it. I'm just gonna say I can't wait to talk about it. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, they're talking, and you know, he Mark is like, by the way, I met Captain America, and they they have like a random conversation as if they haven't just been in one of the weirdest situations ever. <laughs> And uh, now, apparently, he has the power of the internet, and he's searching up Taskmaster Fine. because now he's like, I need to make him talk to figure out, you know, what, why he attacked me and what happened to my mom. Did someone kill her or not? What's happening? So that, that's the end of uh, issue two. 
My comments are, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I actually was thinking this whole series. Let's move on. I, I, I originally, I don't know why I must've like mis, mis looked at the issues. I thought it was a four issue series. And at some point I realized it was six and I was like, Oh God, really? really yeah. Six issues to, to tell me what's going to happen here. I know where you're going to end up with, cause I know why I'm reading this, but man, let's move on. Anyway. Move on. <laughs> yeah, it, it's 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 painful. It's painful. So somehow in their in their motel, him and Cheese are basically trashing the place and there are guns everywhere. How did they get all those guns? Well, you know, because stuff happened and it just makes sense because they're resourceful. And uh, what, what do they decide to do? They start going to all of Taskmaster's old hangout locations and they try and find his goons and Marcus Johnson and Cheese start uh, fighting all these random guys at bars just violating the uh, the constitutional rights of dozens of otherwise you know they look like tough guys but from what i can tell they were just playing pool at the bar when these guys just stormed in and started beating them up yeah so it's it's weird so they first they, i defend the and it's first i defend the drug dealers now in defending the taskmasters <sighs> like buddies but as far as i can tell they're worthy of defending they didn't do anything wrong here they're just hanging out hanging out having fun drinking assaulted by these two psychos the biggest crime is that they were in this story um, so anyway, uh, Marcus and Cheese go off to D.C. Marcus is, you know, talking to himself and he's basically freaking out. He's having a breakdown because he's like, well, you know, Afghanistan, my mom dying and stuff like that happened a week ago. And Captain America's, you know, he wants to be my friend. Now he's my enemy and taskmaster and I'm freaking out. And next thing you know, somebody walks behind him. It's Cheese. And Marcus pulls a gun out on him and he's like, it's me. Put the gun down for the love of God, man. It's me. What's going on? And you know, we didn't need this. We didn't need this. Well, yeah, we didn't need Mark. Well, we don't. You could argue we don't need this whole series, but we didn't need this thing where he's also like losing his mind, having. I, I hate how I hate how like you know heroes and stuff in the Marvel universe rarely have their own breakdowns because they experience a lot of shit. But it's like whenever you put a soldier in a comic, they have to have PTSD. I don't like that. Unless you're Tom King, and then you could do a whole... Everyone everyone has childhood trauma and attempted suicide attempts. <laughs> yeah, then, then everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from the secretary to Kite Man. Everybody does. So anyway, uh, you know, a, a night passes, and we see this guy breaking into the place where Marcus and Cheese are staying. And who is it? It's Deadpool. And he literally stands over Marcus, and he's like, Hi, I'm Deadpool. I'm going to shoot you now. Normally, I would be more excited to see Deadpool. But in this case, I just felt d- bad for Deadpool that he had to be in this. When you have to start stealing Deadpool's popularity and credibility, and you still don't do him right, there's a problem. And, uh, yeah, it just doesn't get any better because now you have Cheese, who's apparently driving around town, and he picks up a radio, and he starts listening on S.H.I.E.L.D., and apparently they know where they are. And then you go to the next one, and uh, basically, you know, one of the most dangerous mercs in the Marvel Universe is pretty even-handed fighting this random guy who we've just met for the first couple issues. Uh, it's not a pop. It's not one of my favorite Deadpool fight scenes. In fact, it's barely a fight scene. It's just, it's just bad. So they fight and they fight, and next thing you know, Deadpool gets pinned to a wall. You still don't know why he was really there. Do they explain why Deadpool was there to kill him? 
I think they're all just there's a contract out on him. Oh yeah, the the it's evil just not- a random contract. That's why like everybody was going after him. That's why Taskmaster was going after him. He just he just has a hit out on him. So all the mercs, all the people that you know do assassinations, they they've picked up on this. Yeah. So, um, yeah that that's happening. And what's funny is there there is one scene where uh, Marcus tries to like cut out Deadpool's heart and he's like, wow, man, that's not cool. And Mark is like, why are you after me? And Deadpool's like, oh, you try and carve my heart out and you have the nerve to ask me why I'm after you. You killed that lady in Atlanta. She was a school teacher. I, I hate the portrayal of Deadpool here because he doesn't feel like Deadpool. He feels like this could almost be any assassin. Like he, he doesn't have that kind of Deadpool charm, the Deadpool personality, the Deadpool wit. So basically, as Deadpool's about to try and kill Marcus, he gets stabbed by Taskmaster and pinned against a door. So basically, you know that Taskmaster and Deadpool aren't working together. And, uh, you know, right before Taskmaster is about to shoot Marcus with another bow and arrow, um, Taskmaster gets shot by Cheese, who just wound up in uh, on a ceiling, on a, on a rooftop right across from the street where they were fighting on the same floor, and he shoots Taskmaster. It's just the, the fighting is not is not good. And uh, basically, Marcus is able to get away Taskmaster as armor. So, of course, now they're fighting each other. And, you know, right before Taskmaster is about to kill him, uh, Marcus pulls out a button. And apparently there were bombs in the building. So we don't know when he had time to do that or why he did that or if there was anyone else in the building. But obviously, he just blew it up to take out Taskmaster. They still fight. And at this point, Taskmaster's like, fuck it. I don't care. I'll tell you whatever you want. So that's about it. Right before he's Taskmaster's a, is like, just get me out of this story, man. I'll tell you anything. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this. You want to know, you'll know. And right before he's about to tell him everything he wants, what happens? They turn around and they see the serpent society full of serpent bad guys who I will be honest with you, as much of a Captain America fan as I am, I don't recognize any of these specific people. I can name a one of them. These are the reserve list serpent society guys it's like the guy the it's the jv squad it's like the serpent serpent society a all got covid and they had to bring in you know bring in the backups basically so next issue happens and uh we see this guy he's laying on a hospital bed and he's about to flatline and they're trying to keep him alive and then as soon as they go ahead and uh uh, defibrillate him he somehow has the strength of a bunch of men and starts beating up the doctors. And he's like, I will not die. I will not die until he pays. And you're still like, okay, angry Nazi guy. Like, who are you? What's going on? And, you know, that would be a nice place to give us some explanations. But no, the next page we go back to New York and we see uh, Cheese uh, providing cover fire. We see Marcus carrying... um, taskmaster who's injured and they're being chased by the b-list serpent society and uh you know because he's he's a he's a badass and this is just this is just bad writing um he gives taskmaster to cheese and he goes back to fight the serpent society with nothing but a knife and a gun and remember he's just a normal person and he says i'm going out like a ranger and it's just i know it's supposed to feel like cool and inspiring but it's not they're trying to make us think this guy is a badass they're trying to you know make it look build up this character as someone (laughs) as someone that we can root for as someone who's standing up against all odds uh fighting all these super villains uh doesn't know what's going on but he keeps fighting anyway 
that's the theory, and I understand what they're trying to do. Problem is, it doesn't work. It's not working at all. He, they haven't made him a compelling character. They haven't given us any real reason to be attached to this character other than we meet him, we know his mom died, he doesn't know what's going on, and this is all going to lead to something. So anyway, Marcus is fighting the Serpent Society because suddenly he's caught a second wind. Cheese is trying to... I guess he's ditched Taskmaster. He's trying to run away, and right before this, uh, he gets punched by some random dude, and it turns out to be Scorpio. Is he Scorpio? We don't know. We don't know, yo. And it's just it's just Marcus giving like this weird inner dialogue for the next couple pages. Is he fighting the Serpent Society? It's just not compelling at all. And out of nowhere, I guess Deadpool's had a change of heart because he starts coming out and he starts literally murdering the Serpent Society. So obviously, this is why they brought in these random B-listers, because Deadpool's going to kill them. Because they're going to die. Yeah. Two so. seconds earlier, Deadpool is trying to kill this guy, by the way. Yeah. And they, they explain it why he's, you know, this this very lame version of Deadpool is like, hey, well, I figured if these guys are coming after you, you might, you might be a good guy after all. It's like, so what? Since when do you care? <laughs> yeah, so they, they've been able to get away. Deadpool's fighting the Serpent Society. We are back to Taskmaster, and Marcus is interrogating him ahead, uh, again. And, um, you know, we, we finally get one word out of Taskmaster. Marcus is like, now look at me and ask yourself, do you think I have it in me not to shoot you? And... Taskmaster looks at him and he says Orion and Marcus is like, what What the hell is or and before he even finishes finishes saying Orion, he turns around and we see Scorpio, not Scorpio. Uh, he kicks Marcus in the face. He electrocutes him with he electrocutes Taskmaster with a glove. And then we see him beating him up and he's trying to basically tell him, like, stay down. This is your last chance. Leave it alone. And oddly, this guy, this mysterious oh, bad start guy. Start a new life. Get out of here. Start a new life or you're going to die. Yeah. And it's just it's just really weird. Next thing you know, I guess we see S.H.I.E.L.D. show up and Deadpool hasn't quite killed everybody. So it's just a it's like a mess. It's like, you know, playing of G.I. Joe's. You have the whole battle. It's going to be one linear story. And then you pull out all your other characters and everyone starts dying because why not? It feels it feels messy. So somehow Marcus is left to escape. They meet up with Cheese. He meets up with Cheese. They go to another hotel. And at this point, Cheese is like, I'm with you till the end, buddy. And Marcus is like, yeah, man, I know. So he knocks out Cheese and he's like, I'm sorry for dragging you into this Cheese, but I won't let you get killed for me. I have to do this. And he goes driving off and we see this mysterious dude and somehow this is just stupid they they flip around so much we're one minute we're in a city next minute we're following this guy who may or may not be scorpio and you know you're in like this secret lair and somehow marcus has been able to find him and get in and they're fighting and somehow the guy that was able to beat him up earlier is now super weak and marcus is like tell me tell me who you are tell me or i swear to god i'll kill you who are you and he pulls off the guy's mask and who is it it's this white guy with an eye patch and he looks at him and says how about this my name is fury kid and so is yours and that is one of the dumbest pieces of dialogue i've ever read in my life god awful So now we know that the guy who we thought was Nick Fury's brother may or may not have been Scorpio is actually not Scorpio and it's Nick Fury. And that's it. How about this? Yeah. (laughs) Just why? 
So we go back in uh, issue five. I also just, I just the look, the look on Marcus Johnson's face when Nick Fury says, "And so is yours," is the same look on my face at this point. I'm just it's like, like, wait, when I realized I have two more issues, and I thought this is the last one. The same look. I was like, huh? what? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, suddenly he's not black; he's only half. Well, there you go. Uh, issue five starts and we're going back to Czechoslovakia 30 years ago. We see the super hot secret agent lady killing a bunch of Hydra agents. And then uh, she's planting a bomb and blows it up. And I guess Nick Fury was also there. So uh, Nick Fury saves her from an explosion. They end up outside and immediately they start hitting on each other and then they hook up. So now we're now we're back to the future at uh, decommissioned shield base. They really race through their romance, huh? Yeah, that like I I'd usually say go back and read it. You'll see more, but you literally that's it. I so now they now they explain where Marcus and Nick Fury were in this issue, where they should have done it in issue ago. There, uh, shield safe house, and um, you know Nick Fury's basically talking about how he knew Marcus's mom. Marcus's mom was the sexy secret agent lady we saw, and Mark and Nick Fury's telling him a story, and he's like, after nine months taking down that Hydra missile base in Czechoslovakia, Sergeant Johnson, you were born. I'm gonna change out of this Halloween costume now, and you can shoot me or you can listen to the rest. And Marcus is like, this is a lie. It's a damn lie. My mother was a school teacher. She organized bake sales, not secret missions. And Nick Fury is like, your mother was a strategist, a planner. Uh, But this she didn't plan for as if it's just it's like he's trying to make a joke, but it's not. And basically what we see is that she ended up getting pregnant. And Nick Fury, who was at the CIA at the time, learns about it. So he basically uh, gives her a way to go have a new life. So she starts up a new life as a teacher, has Marcus, and then that's it. And apparently Nick Fury, as much as he wanted to be a part of this kid's life, um, he knew it would be dangerous if he did. So um, Nick Fury is like, and, and that lie, that that protection lasted your entire life until three weeks ago when by sheer dumb luck, a wannabe spy master uncovered my secret and gave it to someone who hates me more than pretty much anyone alive. So now we know that somehow Nick Fury is responsible for Marcus's mom being murdered. And it's someone called Orion who looks like one of the cheesiest villains you'll ever see. It's like I can't even explain it. It's stupid. And he's like, like uh, he's got these like ram horns. He kind of looks like um, I feel like he looks like Orm uh, from Aquaman, maybe a little bit, something like it. And Nick Fury's Nick Fury's giving you the the backstory of Orion, who's like the basically the secret leader of Hydra. Long story short, they explain a lot of shit that doesn't matter. I'm not even going to bother with it. It's just it's just poorly done. So what does uh, Nick Fury do? He keeps calling him his son and he's like yeah your your real name is actually nick fury and next you know marcus punches him and he's like it's marcus johnson and he he's blaming nick fury for killing his mom so it's uh it's about what you would expect it's another it's another fight that lasts too many panels and next thing you know right before marcus is about to really fight him oh i guess hydra or somebody has figured out that um that they're there so Oh yeah, it's Hydra. It's it's just God. This is they don't even look like Hydra agents. They're no, they're they, green, they so don't. you know that. So basically, uh, they they shoot some gas canisters in the room and they knock out Nick Fury and and Marcus. Um, Cheese wakes up the next day and he's like, Ah, oh, I've gotta I've gotta f- save Marcus. So that yeah, it's just like that. There's there's no point in that page. You son of a bitch, Marcus. 
Yeah, so next next thing you know, we go back to another warehouse because the world is just warehouses, and we see Marcus. There are so many warehouses in the Marvel Universe, let me tell you. I guess in probably in all comic book universes, but specifically in the Marvel Universe and specifically in this story. Yeah, so we, we go to another universe. I'm sorry, we go to another warehouse. They're, they're chained to some... To I some, wish you went to another universe. That'd be way more interesting. <sighs> Dude, let's just get through this. This is bad. I'm with you. They're they're chained. They're they're hanging and they're they're hanging in chains. And next thing you know, we find out that the old crippled Nazi man, who's also strong, is actually Orion. And long story short, Orion needed Fury and Marcus because what has kept White Nick Fury young for so many years is something called the Infinity Formula, which uh, uh, basically slows down his aging. And in Marcus's blood, because he was born of the Infinity Formula, it's also supposed to be more refined or pure than Nick Fury's, which was just given to him. So basically what Orion wants to do is he wants to literally bleed them both out and then put his blood in him. It's as gross as it sounds. But here's the real gross part. As uh, Orion is taunting Fury, he's like, ah, you're telling me this this guy is your son? I don't see a resemblance. And you think for a second it's a joke because Marcus is black. So apparently they had talked about this earlier. They're like, okay, guys, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to taunt them. I'm going to say this joke and I need you to basically go do something horrible, which is to go literally pull out Marcus's left eye. And I got to say, this is one of those scenes where it's like, really? If you weren't laying it on thick before, you're doing it now. Because a guy comes over, cuts his eye, and then gouges it out with it, with his hands. You're like, oh, yeah, because Nick Fury needs to have an eye patch. So, okay, that's what we have to do. At least they gave an explanation. I got, This whole time, like, how are they going to explain his him having also having an eye patch in the same eye? But I guess as, as cheesy as an explanation as it is, at least it is sort of ish a logical explanation of this villain just, you know, just wanted to be a villain and do a villainous thing and be like, oh, you don't look like enough like your daddy. So we'll just take your eye out. And in any other book with better art, this might be really gross. But luckily for us, the art isn't very good. So it wasn't that gross. It was just like, oh, it was more just like, oh, this is this is how you're doing this. Here, here's yeah. the here's the real dickish part. Speaking of daddy, while Marcus is getting his eye pulled out. Nick Fury is somehow able to get out of his chains and he kicks a hydragoon and picks up a machine gun and starts murdering like 30 people. So now it's Nick Fury and Marcus who's also able to somehow escape. There's no explanation how he gets out of these chains, by the way. He's just out. We just yeah. see him out. Yeah. Yeah. So now we're at the point where, uh, you know, Marcus has fallen into some type of hole or something. And but long, long story short, the whole fight was for nothing because Orion uh, gets Marcus over to a lab and they start literally transfusing their blood. And next thing you know, Marcus turns back into like a 20 year old mega super thug Nazi Hydra guy. Because why? Why, Mark? Because Marcus, the, uh, well, because comics. yeah, yeah, yeah. Orion does because okay. comics, this stupid thing happens. Somehow you take someone's blood and you become young and strong. <laughs> and, yeah, like I could buy that it, the blood keeps this guy living longer or maybe eventually helps him with aging. But in two seconds, he's like huge and jacked with all these muscles again. Oh, I, 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 I got I got to correct myself. It wasn't Marcus on the table. It was Nick Fury. They they literally are wearing the same. This is no, so- Marcus. No, he's white. <laughs> no, it's no, that's it's definitely Marcus. It is. It, it, his skin is. It's definitely because look at his. Well, I don't know what page you're on. Nineteen. It's. Uh, <laughs> he's white. 
He's white. It's, ba- it's bad coloring. Oh God. Yeah, okay, so same outfit Marcus has been. Wearing. Okay, so I stand corrected. So they put Marcus back in the cell because why kill him after you do that? Because story, I guess. And uh, now Marcus is somehow strong again, and he starts beating people up, and he has a makeshift Actually, eye patch. I'm not, no, you're right. You're that right. was that was White Nick Fury on the, the table. The art is this bad. The art is this bad. Yeah, it's That's, it's. Because they captured Nick right. So that was that, so that was White Nick. Yeah. That was White Nick Fury on the table, and it was Marcus who fell in the shaft. Yeah, and it, 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 but look at the art there. This is I'm so bad. Both laying there, you cannot tell. It actually looks more like Marcus, if not for the skin. This this is so bad. So anyway, issue six starts, and oh yeah, apparently it was White Nick Fury, and like I guess Orion saw saw. So now he's like chained him up and he's just like cutting him across the chest with a knife and he's just fucking around with him. And meanwhile, uh, you know, a few other Hydra agents are going around and they're like, we're, you know, people are like disappearing and shit. What's going on? And apparently uh, Marcus comes up and now he's made himself an eye patch. He's got a he's got like a freaking machete and a gun. He's just murdering people left and right. So. Long story short, it's just like six pages of him fighting people. Nothing really happens. And then what they're going to do is they're going to launch an attack on S.H.I.E.L.D. because why not? And Marcus comes in. He's like, not today. And he starts throwing grenades everywhere. Where did he find them? I don't know. But he starts blowing shit up. He's killing everybody. Uh, Next thing you know, Marcus starts fighting Orion like any other boss fight. You don't really know what's happening. And then right before uh, Marcus is about to die, and we all know where White Nick Fury is, who jumps in? S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers, Captain America, Black Widow, and Hawkeye, because Yay. why not? Yeah. Usually it's exciting. I was excited because I – well, I was excited because I knew that that meant the story was probably coming to an end finally. That's a good answer. So anyway, Cheese is there, and I guess Cheese brought the Avengers over because why not? So they're, they're fighting Orion and Hydra, and long story short, somebody – oh, yeah – Marcus somehow sticks a bomb to Orion's chest, so he blows up. And uh, dies, yeah. I guess. Or- yeah, and, and somehow Marcus gets like a concussion, so he gets knocked out. And the next day, he wakes up in a hospital, and here you have him all bandaged up, and some guy standing over him. And oh, it's White Nick Fury, and he's like, "Hello, Marcus." And Marcus is like, "Fury," and Fury's like, "I want to tell you about my other son, Mikel. He's dead because of me. I never, I, I actually." I knew he had a son. I never remembered his name. And I don't think this is, I think this is like the only other time ever it's been brought up about Nick Fury's other son. Who's the mother? I don't know, but I think the kid was bad. Anyway, Nick Fury's like, I never once thought about reaching out to you uh, ever, uh, ever, because I knew that if I did, you and your mother would have been killed and you both deserve better than that. And Marcus is like, I get it. You were trying to protect us. I don't like it, but I get it. And I can respect it to a point. And then Marcus is like, so what now, white dad? And I, I just threw that last part in there. Nick Fury is like, me? Well, See, now that would have been funny. That would have been the best line of dialogue if it actually existed in this comic. Uh, Nick Fury, white Nick, white dad. Yeah, Nick, white Nick Fury is like, me? Well, the, influ- the infinity formula that's been keeping me ticking all these years is gone. Uh, nature will soon catch up. I've got a few things left to accomplish with this life. You, on the other hand, you've got a choice to make. Go back to your life or get fixed up with a new one. Take your chances that no one else comes after you. Or you could get in the game and help hunt some of these bastards down. Your call. And next thing you know, he turns around as he's about to walk out. And he's like, oh, I was a ranger too. Like father, like son. So this is what's really fucking stupid. 
The next page oh, jumps several is, weeks this ahead. Is my favorite part, actually. Marcus shaves his head, grows a beard, gets an old uniform from when Captain America, Steve Rogers, was not actively Captain America. Bucky Barnes was. This is called the Super Soldier suit. And next thing you know, Cheese walks out. And uh, apparently now Cheese is also part of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Nick Fury walks. I'm sorry. Just so like Mar- that. Just yeah, like Mar- that. You did a great job calling the Avengers. So guess what? You're hired. That's all. That's all we care about. Yeah, so, this guy. so Marcus and Cheese walk out, and they see Jay-Z, Daisy Johnson. She's like, look at you two, Nick Fury and Phil Coulson, Agents well, of yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, yeah. They, they say it. They, this, is, this is so forced. Oh, yeah, yeah, right here. And, and Cheese looks at – oh, yeah, so Phil Coulson, yeah, Agent so that's Coulson. The big, that's the, the big reveal. Phil yeah. Coulson. This whole time, Cheese has been Phil Coulson. Remember him from the movies, guys? That's what they're saying. Yeah, so it's you like the movies, right? So now you like this because this is Phil Coulson and he's in the movies, and you like the movies. And look at Samuel, look at him. He's Samuel Jackson, just like the movies. Remember the movies? That's all they're. That's that's all they're doing. It's so it's so flat. It could have been done so well, but so flat. So so I'm not sure it could have been done so well. There was no way to to shoehorn the existence of Agent Phil Coulson into this story. It's bad enough they're shoehorning Samuel Jackson versions of Nick Fury into the regular Marvel universe in such a contrived way. But now they we got to wedge Phil Coulson into this. Here's here's the dumbest part. So now as you look at now bald one-eyed Marcus, who's now Samuel Jackson. Who is like 10 times more muscular than before somehow. Yeah, it's like he, he you know, he went on keto and he started doing P90X. <laughs> uh, you know, Daisy Johnson calls him Nick Fury and Coulson is like Coulson cheese, whatever the fuck. Uh, he's like, wait, why'd you call Marcus Nick Fury? And Daisy's like, oh, that's his legal birth name. His mother named him Nicholas Fury Jr. The old man buried it, but it went uh, but when it went wide, we got hold of the records and cheese is like, Oh, I guess your name is Nick Fury. That is the best thing I've ever heard. And now Fury is like, shut up cheese. And cheese is like, it's agent Coulson to you Fury. And then the next page is them going out together as Nick Fury and agent Phil Coulson killing Hydra agents. The end. God, I want to rate this. How do you even rate this? That's the question. Okay. You want to go first? Yeah. And I think this is an all-time <laughs> first. I'm giving the artwork a two, and I'm giving the story a one. Because this abortion of a story should have never happened. Remzo, we are not always exactly on the same page. We're often pretty close. Uh, today we are on the exact same page. <laughs> Those are the exact same numbers that I had in mind before you said anything. Uh, I can't, like, it's hard for me to go below the two with an art because I'm trying to be fair to the guy here. He's a way better artist than me. Uh, that can't be the, the standard because we're judging against all comic art. Uh, but it's not like it, it, there's a few, there's a number of panels and scenes where it is really bad. Like like the fact that we can't tell which Nick Fury is which. Um, the, the fact that there's certain panels where the, the characters are just like, it's almost like they're just scribbled in. Like some panels he just like says, oh, I'm just going to, okay, there's a guy. He barely has a face. Who cares? Moving on. Uh, but, you know, there's some other art that like I can, you know, I can't just say, say it's terrible art. Like it's, it's, I can see what's happening. I just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, I can't, I can't go much more below it too. I don't feel like that's fair to the artist. Uh, but story I feel like, I feel like the penciler was good. I would blame the anchor and the color. Yeah, I think the finishing was maybe more of the problem. I think, I think there was a the big disconnect. 
Yeah, I think that's fair. So, I mean, yeah, I can't say the art is awful. It's not good. It's still below average. So that's why I'll give it a two. The story, however, and the dialogue, however, I feel like we're actually being generous with the ones, to be honest with you. Wow. I'm going to stick to a one because I'm not trying to insult anyone here. I mean, you can't go much lower than a one, a 0.5. I'll stick with a one because there were a couple lines of dialogue that I understood, I guess, as sentences. Uh, Sentences were formed. Grammar was used. So you get a one. Deadpool Um, was there. So Deadpool was there, horribly written and, and contrived. The um, Avengers were in a panel. I'll say it's a nice change of pace. No, it's not a nice change of pace. It's just a change of pace. It's a big change of pace from reading Alan Moore's Swamp Thing uh, last episode, which is a you know very, which is probably one of the best written comic books ever, ever. in the history of the universe. Uh, and then switching over to this, quite the contrast. Um, it's just this is so shoehorned, and I, I want to say there might be a better way to. Could you hear it? Could you hear it like in my voice, though? Because I've never had a hard time. Usually, usually if something is is even slightly campy or bad, it's still fun to read. This is not fun. This is a bad comic book. And I thought about, I mean, we, I kind of stole the, I didn't steal. I gave credit to the, uh, the weird science comics guys, uh, and they, their use of the fuck you five. Uh, and that, <laughs> that, that is what we gave maximum carnage, the fuck you five for the entire, entirety of the 14 part series. But I can't in good faith give that this high a score maximum car. I would read maximum carnage dozens of times over before I ever read the story. Any day of the week. Dozens. Let me read it every damn day. I don't get maximum carnage is, is fantastic compared to this. Uh, maximum carnage just went on too long and involved too many characters. And, but boy, any issue of maximum carnage was better than anything I read here. I mean, it's, it's not even close. So, uh, yeah, a three is, I think it's a fair, possibly even generous score for this book. It's hard for me to even recommend like a lot of stories. I've it's like say. when you go take your SAT and you write your name and that's like 10 points. Yeah. It's like, you know, it existed. Exactly. Therefore it can't be worse than not existing. Right. That's how you got, that's how we got as high as a three. Uh, just by the fact that it exists, human beings worked on it. There are sentences, there are pictures. So <laughs> we're giving you the basics there, but this is not something I could even look. I, this is so I would uh, I'll, I'll read Jonathan Hickman's X-Men all day long, all day long before reading this. Like, I don't know. At least that has like stuff happening that's it, it's occurring and it's different and it's weird. And I'm kind of trying to figure out what's going on. There's nothing like that here. There's nothing even remotely like mildly, even in a bad way, even in a what the fuck are you doing way that's intriguing about this. I'll, every other story, any other story we've talked about, even ones we don't love. Like, I think our lowest rated thing we discussed in any episode was Maximum Carnage. Uh even that, I would say, oh, it's worth going to give a read. It's worth going to see what this is all about. I will say this right now to anybody listening. This is not – you should not go read this. You should not read it for free. You should not read it if you get paid to read it. You should not read this. You won't get more – you will get more enjoyment out of us talking about it. I guarantee it. You might be tempted if you're the kind of person who likes me, like me, who likes to hate read. I like to hate read. I like to read things that piss me off. I like to read Tom King's Batman, Batcat, 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 even though it drives me crazy. I like to read it because I'm weird. I like to read Jonathan Hickman's X-Men. I like to look at the, the flow charts and not understand the timelines. I love to not understand those things. There's nothing lovable about this in any way, in any way, shape or form. I thought there would be like, I was excited about this. I was like, let me, let me at least see what kind of cheesy route they took to, to shoehorn this, this, you know, the Samuel Jackson version of Nick Fury into the Marvel universe. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how anybody could write shoehorning Samuel Jack, a Samuel Jackson version of Nick Fury. In, well, it's in not the, the fact universe, that it's not the fact that they just did that. They also managed to ruin Phil Coulson at the exact same time. 
I, why do we have to cram Phil Coulson into this? Why? I mean, there's no reason for it. And, and, and then they make Phil Coulson out to be this badass army ranger. Like, that's not what, even what he's ever portrayed as in the Marvel Universe, in the MCU. So I don't, I don't even see what the point I is. I watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm not an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. I will say that the Phil Coulson in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is still more interesting than Cheese. Phil Coulson dead in the first Avengers is more interesting than Cheese. Literally. Oh, boy. Anyway, so, yeah, uh, it's going to be hard for us to get below this score, I think. I mean, I, it's going to be a challenge. Oh, I'm going to actually oh. challenge the, the listeners out there to find us find us a story we might be able to rate lower than this. It's, I don't know how I'm going to be able to. but So, so here's... Awful art. Awful art. Cause it's going to be hard to get lower than a one on a story. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel real bad giving anyone less than a one out of five on their writing. So, so here's the one thing I forgot to mention. What happens to white Nick Fury? After now, Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr. is now here and Nick Fury. Well, he already mentioned that the Infinity Formula is wearing off. And then, of course, I think maybe a couple of years after this, we have Original mm-hmm. Sin, which leads to I'll let you. I think we talked about it in another episode, but I don't think we went into it too much. Long story short, because Original Sin is also one of my, I think, the worst Marvel events of all time. I didn't hate it, actually. I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. I, I hate didn't hate it. it like this. It's not this. No, it gets at least a fuck you five. Spoiler if we ever do that. But like, long story short, somebody killed the Watchmen. I'm sorry. No, not somebody killed the Watchmen. Somebody killed the Watcher, Owatu, and they stole his eye. And long story short, Nick Fury's basically responsible for this. And as a punishment, white Nick Fury becomes some type of celestial being called the watcher or the overseer, some shit like that. That's referenced maybe like in Donnie Kate's store for one panel or something, but you're it's not supposed his punishment to for killing the watcher. And I forget why he killed the watcher in the first place. It's not worth figuring out anyway. That's how they base. So Nick Fury, white Nick Fury still like exists, but it's not him. He's basically this other person and you'll never, ever see white Nick Fury again. So now in because the ultimate universe is done, that's how they got him into the mainstream Marvel universe. And now literally it's like whenever another hero sees Marcus Johnson, a.k.a. Nick Fury Jr., who now they're just calling Nick Fury. It's as if he's been there this entire time. And now no one ever talks about white Nick Fury. It's like he never even existed, which is the, That's the weirdest part. They're, everyone's just like, oh, it's Nick Fury. It's Nick Fury. Hey, Nick Fury. As if he's always been Nick Fury. This would have been less weird if they just, well, I guess they maybe they didn't know they were going to do Secret Wars and, and end the Ultimate Universe and merge it with the Marvel Universe and blah, blah, blah. But a much better explanation would just be Nick Fury from the Ultimate Universe ends up in the Marvel Universe. That, like, that's so what I always wanted. I'd be okay with that at least. At least that would be that would be a more interesting story than this one and less contrived. Yeah, it's like you know the Punisher that we see around now is actually the ultimate Punisher. I heard you mention that and I still don't fully understand it's, how that how that all no, works. So no what happened one to does. Frank Castle then? Well he became Cosmic Ghostwriter, but that's like an alternate reality or something. That that that's, that's an alternate that's an alternate feature. Ultimate in, during Secret War, Ultimate Punisher killed regular Punisher and just took over. Because, oh, because why not? <laughs> it, it was in one of the spinoffs. I think like Ultimate, oh, that's why. Ultimate yeah. End or Secret War, Ultimate End or something. It's bad. Anyway, yeah. They could have just, I, I would have been happy if they had like, you know, Samuel Jackson in the movies. And then for the sake of tradition, David Hasselhoff, Nick Fury in the comics. But no, because Disney is 
is freaking greedy. And that's how that's how this happened. Is it even greed or is it just stupidity? Did they make another dollar off making the making the comic Nick Fury into Sam Jackson? Essentially, did, did anybody go out and say, oh, look, it's Sam Jackson, Nick Fury, that's in this book. I'll buy this now. I, I highly doubt it. I think it's just corporate stupidity of like, you know, people that don't understand comics, don't understand storytelling going, hey, Nick Fury, uh, he's Sam Jackson now. So um, you guys got to make him Sam Jackson in the story. So, uh, yeah, go ahead and do that. It's like it's Disney executives just decreeing things that can never make sense. So these guys, I guess, did their best job to make it make sense. The fact that Marvel didn't even get, you know, they didn't get some of their top writers to do this. They didn't say this is the most important story we can tell. So we got to make sure it's told right No. They got these two, ah, screw it. I'm just going to call them jabronis because I feel like it. I'm sure they're nice guys. Uh, they got these two jabronis <laughs> who uh, no one's ever heard of before or since except their mothers, I presume. And they got, they tossed them on this book and said, do something. And uh, just as long as it ends with uh, Nick Fury being Sam Jackson. And uh, I get, hey, hey, you know what? Screw it. Toss Phil Coulson in there. Because <laughs> why not? Yeah, I, I'm happy that we did this episode only because I now know that we never have to do it again. <laughs> and I now know that we can get through even the worst of worst of stories and still have a decent time doing it. Is this our I lowest have, score? This oh, is. Yes. Oh, our, yeah. Our lowest before because, I mean, I think we're going to be a little biased a lot of these times because you and I are, are producing the episode. So we're we're going to pick stories that we generally have maybe at least somewhat fond memories of, even if they're, you know, nostalgic memories and the story turns out to be not quite as great as we remember. Uh, but in this case, I mean, I don't think anybody's nostalgic about this, but I guess I'm glad I I'm glad I know now. I didn't really know how it all went down and. Now I can say that I know. I have a question for you, Remzo, because previously in another episode, I believe it was the pandemic reading list, we both said that Identity Crisis, not Identity Crisis, Heroes in Crisis was the worst story we'd ever read. If you had to, if you were trapped in a, in a room and you were forced to read one comic book story every day for the rest of your life and you had to choose that story and it would either be this story, Battle Scars, or it would be Heroes in Crisis, which would you choose? Heroes in Crisis. Not even close. I would absolutely not not e- not even close. And before today, I mi- I think I might have actually said that's the worst story I've ever read. I feel I feel yeah. At least like more stuff happened in that. There was like you know, there's weird stuff I could think about. We talk ago. about it. Yeah, like, like can, it still has repercussions. I can get happy, angry at that. I can't even get fun like fun. I can get fun anger at Heroes in Crisis. Um, I I can't even get those kind of emotions out of this. I'm just bored. It's just boring. It's just this really is, boring. This is. I, I, I feel confident now, really having talked about it. This is the worst comic book I've ever read. I think I'm with you. It's, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll find something if anybody has any suggestions, because now I'm on the quest. Can we find something that gets a one or a two? <laughs> I mean, to get a one, you'd have to have less than a one on either art or writing. So that would be really impressive. But yeah, like typos yeah, and the panels and like, stuff, like unfinished panels. <laughs> I don't know how you get much lower, but um, yeah. I don't know. I don't think there's much else to say about this. I just can't wait to go read. So I, I, as soon as we finish this call, well, as soon as we finish this call, we have a, a call for our journey. Unclean. Unclean. Yes. But uh, as soon as I can, I'm going to read anything else. Just anything else. I don't care what it is. The back of the back of a, a napkin. I'm going to just see what, what I scribbled on it. On it a ketchup packet. Yeah. Oh, the ketchup packet. That sounds great. That actually does sound great compared to this because I, I probably don't know all the ingredients in ketchup. There'll probably be some things that surprise me in there, some chemicals I haven't heard of, like dextrin or dextrose or sucralose or something. And then I'll say, oh, I wonder what that really is. Nothing like that happens in Battle Scars. <laughs> yes, the back of a ketchup packet, I'm confident in saying, would get a higher writing score than this. 
Yes. At least, at least a 1.5 for the back of the ketchup. Well, that's all I got, Mark. That's all I've got. I've got nothing left to give. <laughs> Folks, we, we give because we love. And show us some love on Patreon. Check yeah, out our I, reviews I was going to say, I, I hate Hawken. I don't hate Hawken. I love Hawken. But if there if there is any time that we actually deserve to finally, you know, get paid for this, not finally, we've been getting paid by a few of our, our wonderful patrons. But if there's any time we really deserve... We deserve a, a Christmas bonus here of some kind, a, a Halloween bonus, uh, whatever you want to call it. A warm blanket, a pat on the back, a blanket, a hug. an attaboy. Yeah. Send me a text. Send me something. Tweet to us. Just tell us that you feel our pain, if nothing else. Comics are supposed to make you happy. This didn't do that. <laughs> Imagine if this was someone's first comic book. Oh, God. <laughs> which, which I can imagine in some ways is the point of this, because they're trying to bring in the people that are fans of Marvel universes uh, of the of the, you know, the MCU movies. They want to show people, look, we got Samuel Jackson. Look, we got Phil Coulson. My God, I can't be- I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. Find the good episodes. Secondprintcomics.com. Uh, that's about it. As always, I'm Remster W. Martinez. And I am the mighty, 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 my also might have gotten through this story, Mark Flair. And until next time, read comics, change the world. Good night, America. Adios. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.